Good morning, and welcome to Spring Convocation 2021. Happy New Year to all of you, students, faculty, and staff, including those of you who are joining us by way of live streaming at our locations in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. And a special welcome to the new students, faculty, and staff who are experiencing their first convocation with us today. You are joining a very special community of learning, and we hope that you will quickly come to feel a sense of belonging in this large extended family. Today, Inauguration Day, our thoughts are especially with our students, faculty, and staff at our Washington Center. So we invited them to contribute a special video message to our opening welcome. Please give your attention to our friends and colleagues at the Washington Community Scholars Center. With this faith, we will hew from a mountain of despair, a stone of hope. The Martin Luther King Jr. Monument was inspired by this quote from his I Have a Dream speech. From a mountain of despair, a stone of hope. This monument honors a great prophet, activist, and preacher. The Washington Community Scholars Center, EMU's DC program, marks the start of the semester and celebrates MLK Day by building a cairn made from stones of hope. Since ancient times and in all cultures, cairns were built on high tundra where there is no wood from trees to point the way. Cairns are guides for travelers, wayfarers, and seekers, those on hikes, journeys, or the spiritual path of sacred pilgrimage. This semester, our students are on journeys of self-discovery and an exploration of what it means to live in the capital city, a site of contested ground. Cairns mark summits. This semester, our students will have summit experiences, both planned and unanticipated. Karens form community. They are maintained by those on the journey, with persons adding a stone as they pass by. Here, we built a Karen from Stones of Hope. We marked this spot not on high tundra, but a summit nonetheless, a sacred space one that guides our hopes for the semester. Thank you, EMU in Washington. Stones of hope. As always, our spring convocation is a time of hope and anticipation of a fresh start as we begin a new semester and a new year. Truly, we have good reason to be hopeful as we look forward to the arrival of our COVID vaccines and pray for a peaceful transition of power in our nation's capital. But these feelings of hope and optimism are tempered by the fact that we are regathering after our fall semester, a semester which I believe I'm safe in saying was the most difficult semester in EMU's more than 100 year history. Right now, our grasping for hope may seem desperate or naive as we face the darkest days of the pandemic, mourning EMU family and friends who have lost their lives. And as we have just experienced yet another low point in our nation's long history of racial injustice. 
the white supremacist mob violence at the Capitol building on January 6th was a stark reminder of how far we still have to go in the work of racial justice and healing. If any of us ever believed the mythology that our university was an ivory tower, our experience during the fall semester should have opened our eyes to the truth. We were not sheltered from the world around us. The pandemic rearranged all our expectations about normal college life. And the tensions and conflicts associated with our nation's resurgent movement for racial justice were reflected and enacted in our own life together. We were reminded that we have not yet achieved the aspirational ideals so eloquently articulated in our life together statement. Values like love of God and one another, wisdom, equality, and accountability. Yet in the midst of the fall semester challenges, we were given reasons for hope. We all showed the ability to adapt quickly, change our behavior, and care for each other in keeping our community safe in the pandemic. We also showed a willingness to have difficult conversations with each other about race, power, oppression, and inequality. I was most encouraged by watching our students navigate these challenges with care, commitment, and good humor. And I want to personally extend my thanks to the leaders of SGA and other student organizations who challenged us, led us in so many of the difficult conversations, and demonstrated what it means to care for each other and the common good. Nothing makes me more hopeful about our shared future. So we enter a new semester, on one hand wary of the depth and difficulty of our current crises, and on the other hand hopeful that better days are ahead, committed to doing our part to bring them about. The theme for this morning's spring convocation is healing and hope amidst crisis. We will have opportunities to reflect together on the theme through scripture, music, and addresses from our SGA leaders and President Huxman. Welcome to all as we embrace the challenges that confront us, continue to care for one another in our words and actions, and commit ourselves to work together toward healing and hope doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. And now, please welcome University Pastor Brian Martin Burkholder, who will offer the scriptural reading. Scripture passage is Matthew 2, 1 through 11. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. At about, the time, at about that time, some astrologers from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in far off eastern lands and have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, and all Jerusalem was filled with rumors. He called a meeting of the Jewish religious leaders. 
Did the prophets tell us where the Messiah would be born, he asked. Yes, in Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet Micah wrote. O little town of Bethlehem, you are not just an unimportant Judean village, for a governor shall rise from you to rule my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the astrologers asking them to come to see him. At this meeting, he found out from them the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the astrologers started out again, and and look, the star appeared to them again, standing over Bethlehem. Their joy knew no bounds. Entering the house where the baby and Mary, the mother, were, they threw themselves down before him, worshiping. And then they opened their presents and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's receive this musical reflection from Dr. David Berry, chair of our music department.
Hi, my name is Allison Shelley, and I am one of the SGA co-presidents. Um, to students, faculty, staff, and all involved in the EMU community, welcome back to EMU, and welcome to the Spring 2021 opening convocation. Um, like Fred Niss said, I'd like to especially welcome new students today um, from wherever they may be joining. Um, we're just so happy to be back with new faces and old. So thank you everyone for being here with us this semester. Um, we're so excited to see what is to come. Also with me is my co-president, Justice Allen, um, and he'll be introducing our really cool president, Susan Schultz-Hoxman. Thank you, Allison, and good morning, EMU. Dr. Susan Schultz-Hutzman is our ninth president at EMU and is a groundbreaker as our first woman president. She began serving in January 2017, so she is in her fourth year as EMU's leader. In June 2020, following a comprehensive performance evaluation, EMU's Board of Trustees unanimously supported her reappointment to a five-year term beginning this past fall. In its resolution, the board cited her strategic and unwavering leadership advocacy of EMU's mission and core values, commitment to Mennonite higher education, and, and steely resolve in facing the challenges of e higher education. So congratulations, President Huxman. Previously, Susan served as president of Conrad Grebel University in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada from 2011 to 2016. Before that, she spent most of her academic career as director of the Elliott School of Communication at Wichita State University in Kansas, after beginning her professorial life at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Professor Huxman won numerous awards and recognition for her teaching when she was in the faculty ranks at Wichita State and continues to teach and mentor when she can. She describes herself as a student-centered academic president and a passionate ambassador of faith-based liberal arts education. Her church service over the years has been regular and extensive. She served on the board of directors of Mennonite Education Ed Agency of Mennonite Church USA from 2001 to 2007. The executive board of Western District and as a Sunday school teacher and higher ed board member at her church for many years. Susan grew up in Florida, but Kansas is where she met her husband and raised her family. She is a graduate of Bethel College in Kansas. She has a bachelor's in English and a master's and PhD from the University of Kansas in Communication Studies. She has earned the rank of full professor. Susan is married to Jesse, a communication, marketing, and broadcast journalism professional. They have three adult children, Connor, a graduate student in engineering at Penn State University, Emily, a teacher in Ohio, and Julia, an attorney in Philadelphia. And she says she has two wonderful sons-in-laws. Susan and Jesse are big sports fans and participated in an array of varsity sports during the college years. Susan's skills as a basketball point guard prepared her well for her presidency. Both Susan and Jesse enjoy the beauty of the Shenandoah Valley and the friendly city of Harrisonburg, and they do not miss the Canadian winters. So please join me in, please join me in welcoming President Susan Schultz-Husband to the podium, who, in solidarity with our first woman Vice President, Kamala Harris, is wearing Converse and Pearls this morning. Thank you, Allison and Justice. Our co-SGA presidents have really answered the call of courageous leadership in this unprecedented 
uh, year. Thank you so much uh, for the way in which you have worked steadily and with great energy uh, these last months. So good morning, uh, EMU. Uh, welcome faculty, staff, community members, and of course, our students, all our students. Seven weeks away was a long, long time. So whether you are new or returning, undergraduate or graduate, residential or commuter, US or international, we are excited to re-engage with you and continue our educational journey together as a community of learners, yes, in a year like no other. As you now know, if you are new, I am Susan, president of EMU. And students, I know this semester, like last semester, is again filled with all sorts of upheaval on the national stage, on the health, economic, social, and political fronts. And yet with all of these seismic challenges as a backdrop, we are going to get through this semester just as we did last semester. In the midst of all these swirling uncertainties in our nation and in our world, I am so very thankful for our EMU team, our faculty, staff, administrators, board of trustees, student leaders, and other community members. We were successful. We were successful in keeping COVID cases extremely low last semester, and we are prepared to do it again this semester. We never ran out of quarantine and isolation beds at a local hotel, and among our people testing positive, there was no serious symptomatic cases. This wasn't just a lucky outcome. I am so proud of our campus community, especially our students, at caring for each other and consistently modeling that ethic of care, wearing masks, keeping distance, staying in the bubble or pod or household outside their classes, and the strict observance of many other hygiene guidelines, especially around meals, was just outstanding. Community building is a core value at EMU, and it was on display in such amazing ways. In a word, we remained equipped as educators to be light amidst the darkness, to find strength and refuge in a loving God, and to be a welcoming place for intellectual and spiritual formation. Thank you, EMU community, for your tireless and selfless commitment to being the best that we can be for our students and for each other. We will lead together again. So here we are in spring 2021. While it is exciting to be back together on campus, let's face it, we gather under national storm clouds. We are confronting an all-time high case count of coronavirus around the country that threatens to overwhelm many hospital systems. On top of that, we have National Guard stationed in 50 state capitals today and in Washington, D.C. to safeguard the peaceful transition of presidential power happening less than two hours from now. All of these unprecedented safeguards were put in place after the violent and deadly storming of the Capitol by fellow citizens on January 6th, 
a day that will live in infamy. Indeed, it's been 207 years since the capital has been overrun, this time not by a foreign foe, but by our own people, angrily demanding that members of Congress overturn the results of a free and fair election. Ironically, this dark day in American history, January 6th, 2021, also, also marked a day of great light, the 12th day of Christmas, or Epiphany Day. We can learn a lot about how to find victory over violence from the Magi who followed the star to Bethlehem. And that's what I'd like to offer as a message on this Convocation Day, this Inauguration Day, and this Day 300 of the COVID-19 pandemic. So first, let's rehearse the ancient story of these learned seekers, sometimes called kings, magi, astrologers, wise men, stargazers, who were part of the greatest of all time epiphany in their long journey to find and worship the new Christ child. Here's what we know. The book of Matthew says, wise men came from the east. They were not Jewish, yet they followed a special star to pay homage to a newborn king of the Jews, a very bright star that seemingly only they could see. They brought expensive kingly gifts not the normal gifts you'd bring to a newborn, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Later we learn in other writings that these magi, these learned scholars, had names, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. We learn that it took these wise seekers a long time to find the baby Jesus. They got lost. They stopped to ask for directions from religious leaders and King Herod in Jerusalem. These folks were no help at all. In fact, they got very suspicious. The Magi temporarily thought that they had reached a dead end. Yet not to be deterred, and even without maps or navigation systems, they did some homework, a review of literature. That's what scholars do. They discovered from the writings of Micah that Christ's birth was forecasted. It was forecasted to take place in the little town of Bethlehem, it was not some unimportant Judean village after all. They left with haste and rediscovered the star that led them to a little baby in a stable in a cave in Bethlehem. Never wondering if they had come to the wrong place, they threw themselves down before him to worship. We are told their joy knew no bounds. Then they left to go home. But they were warned in a dream by God to find a new path that did not take them through the jaws of empire in Jerusalem. Here's what we don't know. The Bible says nothing about the number of kings. The number has varied throughout church history, three, four, eight, even 12. We often think three because, you know, of course, there were just three gifts. The Bible says nothing about their robes or turbans or crowns nor does it say they rode on camels or how they even learned the star would lead them to the baby in Bethlehem. It doesn't even say when they arrived. We do know that it was well after the intrepid shepherds had arrived. We've just filled in all these blanks of the story 
Since the day of Epiphany became a church feast in the second century, marking January 6th as the 12th day of Christmas. Regardless of what we know or don't know, here is what is so amazing about the journey of the Magi and the day of Epiphany. The iconic nativity scene is instantly recognized and marveled at the world over from young and old alike because there in the hay, in a place with sheep and shepherds, lies a baby in a feeding trough, a manger, and there are royal kings, wise scholars from afar, bowing in deep humility to worship the Christ child. Power is in a manger. Power is in a humble home visited by magi who do not ask for earthly royal treatment. This awe-inspiring image, this upside-down understanding of how the most noble of kings, God, our creator, enters the world, is enacted every Christmas in many churches and places of worship across the world. As I was growing up, the Christmas pageant in the First Baptist Church of Deland, Florida, there was a picking order for parts. While not good theology, we knew nonetheless the Christmas pageant rules. The youngest kids were cast as sheep and other animals. Later, you could graduate to a shepherd. And finally, the older kids could draw straws for the most coveted parts, the majestic and wise three kings, sometimes we had more than three, and Mary and Joseph. And yet children as young as three learn that these kings of the nativity scene do not demand the special treatment of earthly kings. Rather, they bow in full humility right there along with the shepherds and animals. Here in front of me is a beautiful handcrafted nativity scene. It was given to EMU administrators by Palestinian guides of a cross-cultural trip to the Middle East. And sure enough, what do we see? One of the three kings prostrate and face to face with a resting sheep. Another feature of many Christ Christmas pageants is this. In addition to away in a manger, I have been told by church music directors that the Christmas carol that often gets the most robust participation, even by young children, is We Three Kings. And that is, I think, because unlike Joy to the World or Hark the Herald or certainly O Holy Night, We Three Kings is an easy song to sing. Even if you are not musically inclined, the musical range is very small, just a bit more advanced than a Gregorian chant. I'll come back to a pivotal lesson that we can take for our lives today from the Magi. But first, let's explore this word epiphany and whether there were those among us who saw the irony of Epiphany Day on January 6th. What does epiphany mean? Epiphany is a fun word to say and spell. It comes from a Greek word for manifestation or revelation. In the context of the Christian tradition, it means the manifestation of the divine nature of God in the person of Jesus. Epiphany Day is celebrated with the three kings' visit to baby Jesus. 
Another word often used in the Bible to describe revelatory inbreaking of God's purpose in the world is behold or lo and behold. It means to see face to face, to apprehend, to consider intently, to observe fully. It is a call to keep our eyes wide open. Lo and behold is often accompanied with an exclamation point in the Bible, and it means stop, suspend time, an awesome mystery or something unconventional is unfolding before you, and you will miss it if you are not perfectly still and attentive. We know be still and know that I am God. The word behold appears 326 times in the King James Version. Passages include behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. More contemporary terms include an aha moment, a sudden flash of insight. You know when that light bulb goes off and you finally, finally grasp the full meaning of something. Still other terms we sometimes invoke in today's conversations include inflection point and be careful what you wish for, it just might come true. As we consider this constellation of sudden revelatory related terms, we have to ask, did others see the irony of Epiphany Day, January 6th? Was there a light bulb moment, a shocking revelation, an inflection point? Most certainly. Here are a few observations from clergy. On a holy day, celebrating God's light breaking in upon us, we witnessed forces of darkness unleashed in Washington. Another said, is it too naive to ask on this 2000th 21 anniversary of the biblical moment when three previously in the dark wise men had their come to Jesus moment, whether Americans had some kind of at least small epiphany this January 6th. Then there are the words of Reverend Raphael Warnock. I was lifted spiritually by his words, the first sermon he delivered as a senator-elect at the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Reverend Warnick began, I want to talk to you about God's victory over violence. Whoever would have thought, he continued, that in the state of Georgia, we would see the people of Georgia rise up and send an African-American man who grew up in public housing the pastor of this Ebenezer Baptist Church where Dr. King preached, and a Jewish man, the son of an immigrant, to the U.S. Senate. He went on to describe basking in the glory of what their historic wins represented. And then, he said, just as we were trying to put on our celebration shoes, the ugly side of our story our great, grand, and American story began to emerge as we saw the crude and the angry and the disrespectful and the violent break their way into the people's house. And yet, and yet, Reverend Warnock concluded with this, you must know that this is a glimpse of God's vision of a more inclusive humanity that embraces all of God's children. 
I'm just grateful to be a part of this. I just want to be a prism of God's glory. Amen to that. Some of the epiphanies expressed on January 6th were of a more sobering nature. An inbreaking of light, a sudden revelation that was painfully piercing. Paul Schrag, a religious writer for Anabaptist World, a, a publication with ties to Mennonite Church USA, said this, while vandalizing a shrine of American democracy, the rioters profaned what is sacred. But the sacrilege occurred not in destroying government property, nor in forcing Congress to flee, deplorable as those actions were. The halls of Congress may be hollowed in the broadest sense, but they are not actually holy. The act of desecration was the claim that God blessed a violent assault on democracy. Symbols of Christian faith asserted divine favor. People waved the Christian flag. Others carried Jesus saves signs. A massive Jesus 2020 banner was unfurled. Those who displayed these words and symbols took Jesus's name in vain. Lest this sound like scolding of others, not like ourselves, Know also that religious leaders across the spectrum encouraged us not just to point the finger at others, and you know that old adage, when you point a finger, there are three other fingers pointing back at you. Glenn Guyton, executive director of MCUSA, and our guest speaker for Martin Luther King commemoration on Sunday said it this way, I want to caution us there is a danger in thinking that what we saw on Capitol Hill on January 6th is a problem that others have. The reality is the polarization and division around political ideologies cuts through many congregations from many denominations, including ours. We have done violence to one another by using partisan political positions as a litmus test for Christian faithfulness. We must repent if we want to live fully into our calling as peacemakers. In the end, true peace cannot be found at men's feet. It can only be found at the foot of the cross. These are some of the lessons of epiphany for our turbulent times. Finally, let me suggest for those of you who would like Epiphany Day to have a more personal connection, check out Glenn Guyton's book, Ideal, Discovering Your Calling in a Cluttered World. In these pages, Guyton speaks directly to the major questions posed by young people to get today, regardless of your background or faith affiliation. Who am I? Where do I want to go in life? How do I stay relevant in an ever-changing world? How can I stay sharp on my ideal path? How do I release the baggage of my past? The ideal acronym stands for I am, I decide, I evolve, I advance, I let go. EMU community, especially students, I'd like to leave you with what I think is the primary lesson of the Three Kings story, the aha moment if we want to take inspiration from the Magi, and that is 
to find a new path, to find a new way home, to find a new way to engage with others unlike yourself. Jake Hall, a Baptist pastor in Macon, Georgia, said it this way, in the pages of the Christian calendar, January 6 marks Epiphany, a story of wise stargazers who must find another way home after meeting Jesus and becoming entangled with empire. Their story is about leaving and finding a home, dealing with the dangers while nimbly finding a new path. I don't know what to do about this day, January 6th, yet I do have a sense of what we owe to each other tomorrow. We will survive this terrible day to change the trajectory of our path. We must commit. We must commit to finding a home together by another way. May it be so. The call of the Magi in the end is a call to find a new path. Be well, EMU. We are off and running on another semester devoted to listening, learning, and leading together. Thank you. Thank you, President Susan Schultz-Huxman, also Provost Fred Niss, SGA co-presidents Justice Allen and Allison Shelley, Dr. David Berry, for contributing today. Even as we gather, seeking healing and hope, finding a new path together. We have a few announcements for community care from student life. For those on campus, Remember to complete the daily symptom tracker by 11 a.m., seven days a week, using the EMU Medicat portal. We want to keep everyone safe. Virtual walk-in counseling sessions are available Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 o'clock in the Counseling Center through Counseling Services. Um, they will be online unless set up a week in advance for more serious one-to-one -one needs. Um, at this point, these walk-ins might be reserved especially for those concerned about political-related stress. And there are two opportunities this week to share from our abundance. YSERV is hosting a food drive and Residence Life is hosting a coat drive. Please donate as able. Collection boxes are around campus, but both of those items are being collected in the University Commons and the Campus Center. As we close now, I welcome Reverend Sarah Bixler to come for the benediction. Sarah is a teacher of formation and other related things here in the seminary. Reverend Sarah Bixler. Will you join me in a closing benediction? As we embark on a new semester and a new year, may this truly be a year like no other. May 2021 be the year 
when the EMU community leads together as we are embedded within nations and a world that shimmers with sparks of God's transforming power. Oh God, lead us to right action. Give us the discernment and courage to oppose evil in all its forms. Lead us into repentance, liberation, justice, reconciliation, and peace. In this season, beyond Christmas and Epiphany, in the words of Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among siblings, to make music in the heart. EMU, may we lead in this holy work together. Amen.